0: I want to tell you guys real quick about its Battle Ropes. These are a phenomenal tool that anybody can use to increase cardiovascular function, respiratory function, as well as muscular endurance. People often complain to me about knee pain and, and hip pain and ankle pain just because we're getting up there in age or maybe we put ourselves through the ringer for too many years. But this is one of these amazing devices where we can tap in our cardiovascular system in a different way that's very low impact on the joints and the hips as well as the shoulders, and we can really push ourselves in a different way. You can get 10% off battle ropes and any other product at onnit.com slash podcast. Yo, thanks for tuning in to the Onnit podcast with Kyle Kingsbury. This week's guest is Rafael Lovato Jr. Uh, you know, I'd followed this guy a lot through his career in, in mixed martial arts, not so much before in jiu-jitsu. He's an incredible martial artist, you know, and it's funny because uh, as I pick his brain and kind of see his transformation and, and how he's gotten to this place in life, I'm pretty jealous of him. He's, he's lived an incredible life. Uh, his father was into Jeet Kune Do and Bruce Lee and really exposed him to mixed martial arts before there was a sport of mixed martial arts. He's been able to train with some of the best jiu-jitsu players in the history of the sport. Was right there at the beginning as the Gracies started coming into America and, and exposing the world to this new form of jiu-jitsu. And uh, I think you guys are really going to dig this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Good to go. Rafael Lovato Jr. in the house on the On It podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, brother. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We, uh, we had a chance, uh, me, Curtis Hembroff, and our boy, uh, Andrew Craig, Told me you were coming in town, and I was like, man, we got to do a private. We got we to get some, get some mat time with you. That was exceptional, man. Thank you. Thank you. I've um, I followed you in your career. You know, I heard about you in jiu-jitsu, but I never, I'm a fan of jiu-jitsu, never watched a whole lot, you know, mm-hmm. competed myself, that kind of stuff, but mostly was just invested in the time, like, I would, the only time I'd watch videos was really... To scope out an opponent and right. preparation, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Watching MMA, that's been fucking incredible to see your rise in MMA and to see how well you've done. Especially when you look at the history of really good Jiu-Jitsu stars that might try to make the transition. You know, what got you into? One thing I try to do is is backtrack a little mm-hmm. bit here. So, you know, did, was Jiu-Jitsu your first martial art that you started with?
1: Uh, not exactly. Um, my father is a lifetime martial artist. He uh, grew up doing traditional martial arts, then he got into boxing and um, and then he was inspired by Bruce Lee, mm. um, like you know most martial artists were at some point in time um, and that led him into the Jeet Kune Do route um, and he was uh you know pursuing um, bruce lee 's uh, art and that brought him into. Um, contact with Richard Bastillo, Danny Nosano, some of the most incredible martial artists of our time, and um, and you know Jeet Kune Do was sort of like the very first mixed martial arts. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the mindset was to be able to defend yourself in all ranges of combat, and you know take what's best from from each discipline, blend it together, and create your own um, you know self defense combat system. And um, and so whenever I was a child. Uh, I was born in Ohio. My dad was the assistant instructor at the Jeet Kune Do Academy in Cincinnati, Ohio, and so um, I would watch him, you know, train and teach. And uh, and so my first contact with martial arts was mainly through the JKD system. Uh, my dad had me moving as soon as I was able to move. You know, he had me doing uh, martial arts, um, and uh, and so, you know, I, I I grew up in martial arts. Um, Later on down the line, uh, he discovered Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu through the J- JKD instructor conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, they would bring in different instructors for uh, different disciplines, and they brought in the Gracie's to cover their grappling portion, and um, and you know he immediately fell in love with it. My, my father is is a small guy. Um, he's only like 5'8", 5'9", uh, 150, 160 pounds. And so um, Jiu-Jitsu was really incredible for him. Um, you know, he fell in love with it right away, and, um, and he began teaching me as he was learning. And, you know, basically, uh, now we're in Oklahoma, all right? So we moved to Oklahoma when I was eight years old. He opened an academy there as well. It was a JKD school. Um, and once he started learning Jiu-Jitsu, it began to transition into a Jiu-Jitsu academy. Um, and he would come home, you know, teach me, show all the students what he was learning. And he was going back and forth from Oklahoma to California for quite some time. And then Carlos Machado moved to Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing for us because, you know, being right in the middle of the country, the closest Jiu Jitsu was either California, Florida or New York, you know, everything was far. And, um, and Carlos Machado was the first black belt in that level to come to our area of the country. And, uh, and so then my father was going down to Dallas um, every Thursday he would go to Dallas, do a private lesson in the morning, train in the morning class, drive back home, and then teach at night. Um, and he did that for like three or four years. Um, he was, uh, you know, Carlos's first student because he knew Carlos from California mm. before Carlos moved to Texas. Carlos called him up, said, hey, I'm moving to Dallas. My dad, you know, we got so happy. Started making that back and forth trip. He was uh, Carlos's first blue belt and, you know, then I started traveling a lot. Now I'm getting to be a teenager, uh, 14, 15 years old, and it became easier for my dad to sort of shit me out, and you know, go here, go there, learn, train, or I would compete as well. Um, come home, and I would show him everything that I learned, um, and he could stay home and focus on the business. Plus, he didn't like to fly, and so you know, uh, it was a lot easier for me to get around than what it was for him. And uh, you know, I made my first trip to Brazil in 1999 to compete in the world championships. How old were you then? I had just turned 16. Fuck uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's amazing. Like, you know, I got to train with, um, you know, incredible martial artists, such as Richard Bastion and Dana Osana when I was a child. Then I got to, you know, go to Brazil and be a part of this amazing revolution in the martial arts world where Jiu-Jitsu exploded onto the scene and, you know, be in Brazil, compete in Brazil trained with so many of the best Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belts. Um, You know, my senseis are Salo and Shanji Hubero, two of the greatest of all time. Um, You know, so I've I've been very blessed to come across you know some of the best martial artists all in their own disciplines um, in in my time, you know, in my lifetime. Um, But, uh, you know, fast forward down the line, my father and I became the first father and son American Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belts. And uh, I've been able to, you know, make a lot of history for Americans in the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And now uh, the last few years I've been competing in mixed martial arts is sort of like the fulfillment of my martial arts destiny, I feel like. Um, You know, now I'm tapping into my whole life of training and and being surrounded by martial arts and really finding myself and putting it all together into, you know, um, my, you know, mixed martial arts expression, I guess, so to speak, um, inside that cage. I'm having a lot of fun
0: yeah you're doing a fucking tremendous job seven and oh now right yes yeah absolutely incredible um this makes so much more sense now to me (laughs) rather than just a jiu-jitsu guy who becomes excellent at that craft which you are and you know you look at your lineage it's fairly easy to see why you would have that kind of success but to also understand like this has been a part of your family a part of your upbringing it's been ingrained at a young age and then Still, that would be enough to see, like, okay, I can kind of connect the dots here, but it makes so much more sense. You know, JKD essentially is MMA mm-hmm. in its infancy. And there's so much beauty in that, but also so much understanding like, damn, you were probably one of the first children to be raised in mixed martial arts. Everyone talks about that now. Like, just wait 20 years, John Jones will look sloppy. You know, we look 20 years ago and we see Tank Abbott and guys like that. Nobody's gonna look back on John Jones and say he wasn't great. But mm. there will be another level in twenty yeah. years from now, right? And that's going to come from kids like yourself that grow up in a sport that includes all things, you know, that has wrestling practice in conjunction with jujitsu, you know, wrestling to submission, things like that. And and really to see the the evolution of where it's gone, and to be right on the front edge of that, that's pretty pretty damn inspiring and pretty cool.
1: Yeah, you know, like I said, I'm I'm so grateful for, um, you know, my martial arts life. Uh, you know it's amazing how it's all come together Um, you know now for sure it it was a different time you know I'm I'm a little older now um, you know compared to the kids in MMA these days um, you know being in my 30s but uh, you know I'm happy for the path that I chose you know I wanted to stay in jiu-jitsu and really make my mark make my impact Um, you know BJ Penn was the first American to win the world championships as a black belt and that was the the only tournament he ever did as a black belt. You know, he got the, his black belt right before the Worlds. He won it and then he pretty much retired from jiu-jitsu and switched full on to MMA. And uh, so for me it was important to, you know, I won my 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 black belt world title in 2007 and you know, it was important to not just have my 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 year so to speak, but to show that I was one of the best uh, of my generation and uh, and to stay in jiu-jitsu and really make my mark. And I wanted to <laughs> I really wanted to inspire other Americans and non-Brazilians, um, that were in jiu um, to, you know, cause it, at that time it was much different, you know, it was so heavily dominated by Brazilians. Um, it still is at the black belt level, but you know, there's a lot more, uh, Americans and Europeans meddling and doing well these days. Um, but at that time that, that you know, it wasn't like that. And so I wanted to stay in the sport longer, really make my mark. And, um, uh, You know, wait, I always knew I would do MMA at some point. I didn't know how much I would do it because at the end of it, I wanted to make sure I would be happy and have fun doing it. Um, But uh, towards the end of my jujitsu only career, you know, I'm still doing jujitsu, but mixing with MMA. But uh, towards the end of when I was only doing jujitsu, I was sort of starting to miss that, you know, extreme like motivation, you know, of uh, you know just that fire you know because I'd been in it doing the same routine the same competitions for so many years going against the same guys over and over and over again um, you know I needed that 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 fuel to light my fire again um, and so that's when I thought you know what now it's time to get in the cage and um, and I just sort of took it one step at a time but you know I really felt the you know the the connection of my whole martial arts journey coming together. Um, you know, and tapping into what I feel like my father started inside of me, um, with with his approach to martial arts. You know, because when I started training, you know, nowadays kids start mixed martial arts and they say, "I want to be like John Jones" or "I want to be like you know Conor McGregor" or whoever else. I didn't have we didn't have anyone to look up to. You know, my father looked up to Bruce Lee. You know, and it was just, "I want to be the best martial artist I can be." You know, um, for the sake of the art itself, for mm-hmm. self defense, for combat, for the pure beauty of it. And that's what I grew up into. you know there was no thought of winning world titles or being famous or making a bunch of money. Um, you know I didn't even when we started learning jiu- Jitsu, we didn't even know there was a world championships, you know, and so never in my life was I learning martial arts for the pursuit of titles or you know any sort of fame or money, you know. Um, it was always for the the pure love of it and the self-defense the the art of it the expression of it um and and so you know when i started in mma you know i already had a great jujitsu career um you know like i i didn't i wasn't doing it for anything else than than tapping into you know what was inside of me and um and you know ever since then i've just been learning so much and really like exploring who i am as a martial artist and um it's, it's just been so much fun, and, you know, now I feel like a lot of that is isn't there, you know, because people do start for the sport, you know? It, it's yeah. for the sport. I want to be on TV. I want to be the UFC champion. I want to be this and that. Instead of really falling in love with what martial arts is, it's in itself, first and foremost, and then the competition aspect of it is a, it's a, you know, it's an honor. It's a, it's a, it's the pleasure, you know, you're. You, Not everyone gets to do that, you know? But um, you don't train for the fight, you know, for the fight. You train for life. And the fight is just
0: how you express yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a huge difference. Uh, Even in myself personally, when I got into fighting, it's it's really, I was using it for some form of outlet for Mm -hmm. anger and just because I wanted to train just because it felt good. I missed that human element in football, didn't have it anymore. And it really brought me peace. It was an Mm -hmm. excellent way to tap into something meaningful. And, you know, fighting, even though I loved punching people in the face and wanted to exercise that aggression, it eventually taught me so much about meditation and going within and stillness and how to find peace outside of the cage. But it seems like you had that out of the gate. You know, like just, I didn't get into Bruce Lee until I was probably two years into MMA and I had a Jeet Kune Do coach. Um, who trained under Danny Nassanto and it's a different world. It yeah. totally is. You know, like and, and you know, you get into Bruce Lee books and some of his teachings, and dude's a fucking philosopher. Yeah. Like he sees the world differently. Mm-hmm. And so to have that trickle down from your father and those teachings into you from a young age is far different than any fighter yes. I've sat across from before.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, like I said, I'm so thankful for that. Um, you know. Um, yeah it, it, martial arts is so, so beautiful. Um, everything that I am is through martial arts and, and uh, so I, I can't imagine living any other way.
0: Yeah, a lot I think a lot of kids too that get into martial arts do it for self-defense or I don't want people to pick on me anymore, and it's not necessarily about simply enjoying the beauty of what martial arts is mm-hmm. you know and and, and sh- keeping your, sh- your your sword sharp, you know, mm-hmm. honing your skills, perfecting mm-hmm. the art how much How much was needed you know when it came to competition in terms of you finding inner peace and stillness entering combat? Was that ever an issue for you, or was it something that came naturally because of your upbringing?
1: you know th- that's interesting because like i I didn't know I mean obviously, in the beginning um, my first few few mMA fights um I definitely, you know, there's definitely a different energy when you're in camp. You know, when I'm preparing for a jiu-jitsu competition, you know, as high level as it may be, um, I had been doing it for so long. I was always very calm, very confident, um, and, uh, you know, I could have a lot of fun. Um, You know, being around all my buddies and everything and and all that, going through the process was always fun. In MMA, in the beginning, the camp, you know, I would be – much more nervous, uh, a lot more fear of the unknown, on edge. You know, uh, just sort of like, hey, I, I just want to be by myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let me just relax. You know, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't just, you know, I was more on edge. You know, just you more know, on you edge. Weren't loose. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I had a bad training training session, it would affect me a lot more. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but surprisingly, on the day of. I was very calm, you know, because I knew I had done everything possible and there's nothing else to think about. I just had to believe in my reaction, just believe that all my life of training will will come to fruition and I will be successful, you know. Um, On the other side of things, interesting enough, with jujitsu, you know, there's a lot more variables. Um, How the bracket plays out the referee bad calls the the gameplay you know as far as guys stalling and using the 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 points and the the system you know to their advantage advantages and, yeah. and and also the fact that i was a very you know accomplished world champion uh i'd always have a target on my back you know there's a lot more pressure and so you know many times in jiu-jitsu competition i would feel a little more nervous or sort of uneasy the day of than I would for an MMA fight. Mm. Um, but the camps, an MMA camp, now camps for MMA, I, I, I have fun. I've I, you know i kind of gotten over that initial fear of the unknown. Now I've, I've, you know, seven fights, there's still a lot more things I haven't experienced in, in the cage yet, but I have a good feel for what it's like in there and I'm very relaxed. I had three fights last year alone, um, so I I am very relaxed inside the cage but um but you know the camp can be a little up and down but now it's you know I've, I've I've adjusted um but you know everyone it's funny everyone talks about like how much harder it is or don't get hurt you know be careful and oh it's so crazy what you're doing but you know what everything is hard you know jiu jitsu is hard too you know what i mean um jiu you know i would have multiple matches Throughout the day, up, down, up, down, maybe two days of competition. You fight like, you know, a certain amount of matches one day, then the the next day you have more matches, you know? So um, I I would say that a lot of my experience in jiu jitsu definitely helped in MMA transition over. Um, But, um, you know, they're two totally different things and it's just a different vibe. And, you know, you have to learn to enjoy all of
0: it. Yeah, 100%. And you get more out of that looking back on it. Daniel Cormier, talked to me about that one time he said you know there will be there will come a time in our lives he probably thought i'd continue fighting with him our whole careers but there'll come a time when we look back on this and we remember the camps we remember the fights and you want to remember that laughing you want to remember that smiling you don't want to look back and think of how fucking nervous you were and how shitty it was yeah the grind you know and he's Mm -hmm. big on embrace the grind and and that kind of lingo but point is like and that that parallels into life you know Mm -hmm. there's 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 times in life where you gotta knuckle down on your day job and just grind and go through some shit that maybe you know is a rough spot. But it, it's perspective, it's how you look at that that shifts it. Cause when you look back on that, that could have been all that time was spent the same. It's just how you looked at it in the mm-hmm. middle of it. It's yeah. how you were when you were present. Exactly. Were you in fear? Were you fucking worried about all the variables? Or did you appreciate what was going on and what you had yeah. going for you? Yeah.
1: And now na- nowadays I feel, you know, as you get older, you learn that more. You know what I mean? You kind of you learn more about life, who you are, and and you know perspective, and and trying to be more present and enjoy the moment and everything, and and um, and so I'm happy that I waited as long as I did to do MMA because I really I already knew who I was, you know, as a person before I got into the cage. Instead of trying to find myself inside that cage, you know, where it could be it could go really wrong, you know, um, I, I pretty much already knew who I was and I knew what I was doing it for. Before I ever stepped foot in that cage, and and you know the 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 process, I I I am definitely you know I have a extreme personality, I guess you know, and I'm definitely addicted to to competition, the the adrenaline and everything, and challenging yourself. And um, man, the 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 fight camp and the process um, that you go through for those eight weeks before you get into the cage, you know, like I said, it was it was scary at first. But, uh, man, now I-, I love it so much, you know, because, you know, I have my father in my corner for all my fights. I have my Muay Thai coach, who is also one of my jiu-jitsu black belts. Uh, we've been training together for 10 years. Um, his name is Mauricio. Um, his-, his system is Thai. He's amazing, amazing. One of the greatest martial art- artists I've ever, you know, had the privilege to learn from. Um, and he's also my student. And uh, and then my my... You know, my jiu-jitsu brother, I mean, Shanji Hibeto, one of the greatest of all time. We've been through it all together. You know, we've been training together for almost 15 years. Um, you know, those are the three people in my corner. And I'm surrounded by my students, my, my martial arts brothers, you know what I mean? And, and it just, when I look around and I really, like, put it all into perspective and I just think about my life and the training and um, who I'm representing and who's behind me, you know, the amount of love you feel for an mma fight you know it's it's different than a jiu-jitsu tournament you know yeah sure everyone's reading for you or they're thinking about you but when you're inside the cage it's another level you know mm-hmm. the they're really their hearts <laughs> are with you they don't want you to get hurt you know they know how hard you worked and when you feel that and you go in there man i'm just so like super charged and i'm I, i'm just i'm very happy too and um uh, and it, yeah i've definitely you know when it's over and we're celebrating and i'm looking back and i'm just like oh man i'm almost sad that it's over you know it's yeah. like it, it's fun to, to to celebrate you know and, and everything um but it's like oh, i wish it was we could go back a month ago or two weeks ago you know and uh and then that makes me definitely look forward for the next one you know so
0: yeah i definitely enjoy it a lot Hell yeah, brother, you got a fucking amazing camp and amazing lineage. Yes. You touched on something earlier about you know the, the typical language now that gets thrown around, and a lot of that has to do with guys like Dana White just fucking sandblasting a lot of my teammates at AKA, and these guys are training too hard, that's why they keep getting hurt, and this and that, and you're talking about injuries. There's a fine line of overtraining and knowing, and it's hard for guys to scale back when you have a competition coming up. It seems like from your background, you've got a better grasp of listening to your body than most guys. How does that pan out in the fight camp if you start feeling run down? Your coaches know you well, your dads in your corner, is it fairly easy for them to scale back for you? Um
1: yes and no. Uh you know, at the end of it like you also have to recognize, you know, because they don't know how you feel. Only you know how you feel, mm-hmm. you know? Um and so I I on the other hand like I had that other mindset, especially when I was younger, um, where it was, you know, go go as hard as you can, pretty much every day. Yeah. Suck it up, pussy. Rub dirt on it, right? Yeah. I would always in the back of my mind be thinking, okay, what's my opponent doing? Like, he can't be working harder than me today. You know, no one can deserve this more than me. You know, so if he's working harder, he's going to deserve it more. So, and I would play with my head all the time, and and you know, I I would definitely overtrain, hundred percent. I was overtraining a lot um and you know if it wasn't physical it was also mental it was just like i i couldn't shut off i couldn't let myself think it was okay to you know rest you know um but uh you know i had a i had a, a life-changing injury um that really brought everything into perspective it, it put the you know the pause button
0: mm-hmm.
1: um on my life um at the end of two, 2014 i tore my pec tendon And uh, it's a pretty major event, you know, Um, I had to have surgery. It was the first surgery of my life and, uh, you know, basically a six month recovery process, nine months until I competed again and a full year before I didn't feel anything anymore. Um, And uh, so that was between 2014 to the summer of 2015. And, uh, you know, like I had been in that jujitsu okay season you know sort of you know europeans pan ams worlds then we go to nogi and i was competing from january to november december basically every year since i was 15 16 years old you know all the way until i'm 30 years old and um, basically half my life had been the same thing and i was abusing it you know i was I felt like I had to do it my performances at the end were sort of up and down because I wasn't always inspired um sometimes I was tired my body was broken down and and I wasn't always there um you know I was always getting on the podium but it wasn't always my best you know and then I got that that injury and everything stopped and uh and I realized that you know I was abusing my body and I was competing for the sake of competing instead of really loving it you know and uh and being 100% inspired every time and you know it also gave me peace because I had to come to terms well well, what if this is it what if I don't come back you know what if I'm not the same you know I mean I, I was hearing from people about how they they never were the same after uh that sort of injury and um And one thing that was always sort of eating me up inside was the fact that I'd only won the Worlds once in the Gi. I'd won multiple world titles in no Gi, and and I had other great performances. But at the Mundials, the traditional world championships, in the Gi, I was an eight-time medalist, one gold, one silver, and six bronzes. And those bronzes really ate me up. And I was like, man, I know I'm better than a one-time world champion. I know I'm better than that. And that's why every year I was doing the same thing because I said, oh, I, I gotta win it again, I gotta win it again, I gotta win it again. It wasn't a successful year unless I won it. And so at the end of all those years, I felt, I felt disappointed in myself. And then when everything stopped and I had to look at my career, you know, being in my 30s at that point, like, okay, what am I gonna do when I come back from this? You know, Am I gonna be the same? What do, I, what, you know, what do I wanna do? And I was looking back and I was like, you know what? It's okay, you know what I mean. I made my mark, uh, definitely impacted a lot of people. I get to, you know, travel the world, teach, and I, I became at peace at not getting that second world title. And uh, and coming back, I said, you know what? I'm only gonna do what I'm totally inspired for. You know, um, I don't feel like I have to compete at the worlds anymore. You know, the worlds in fact is the most difficult tournament for me because I'm I'm coaching my students for multiple days before I even step foot on the mat. You know, I have to compete for two days. You know, once you get older, it's hard to to run it back. Yeah, and back. yeah, man. You and wake up the on next weight. day sore. Oh no, my 24 gosh, twenty four hour weight cut. Exactly coming in on weight. Exactly, and uh, and so I said, you know what? I want to be 100 percent inspired. I only want to put myself out there when I can be at my best. You know. And so I started doing mainly just super fights, um, you know, bigger events where I can, you know, just focus on one opponent, you know, but I would go against really great guys, you know, I could kind of pick and choose who I wanted to face. Um, and and then I, I said, you know what, MMA is something I really want to devote myself to and, and make a run at something special. And so after that I also said, you know, let's do a lot of MMA. Let's go for it. And uh and so I just basically have been doing jiu-jitsu super fights in between my MMA fights. And, uh, you know, it's been amazing. Now, um, you know, I, I've been able to really figure out how to be at my best every time I'm out there. I'm having a lot more fun. And in that time frame, you know, the reason why we're talking about this, you brought it up. I've learned to respect my body, mm-hmm. you know. and um, And I have a whole new routine, a whole new process because... That injury was like it was a wake-up call you know on how I was treating my body and um, and so now you know I, I appreciate the recovery so much, um, and I recover just as much as I train, you know um, and you know, like I had a great strength conditioning coach who would preach to me about recovery, and he would help me a lot, but a lot of it was in one ear and out the other you know yeah. Uh, I didn't fully embrace it until I got hurt. Um, and now, you know, I feel like my routine has just multiplied. I'm happier, you know, because I can train better and I've learned how to switch my mindset where it was like, I, it was only a productive, productive training day. If I killed myself, you know, no, you know, if I if I spend an hour doing yoga or, or stretching or going for a walk, you know, um, doing mobility and things like that, that is part of my training, mm-hmm. you know? That is part of my my uh, my meditation, getting my mind right now. It's like, I don't see that as a waste of time. Now it's like, no, this is making my body better. It's making me recover better, which makes me happier because I feel better. And then it makes me train better, which also makes me happier. You know, I feel better when I'm training. So. Um, now I have a really dialed in process and, um, and that's why I feel like I'm going to be able to, you know, compete longer than most. And, uh, you know, I'm 34 and I still feel like I'm in my prime and ready to keep going.
0: Hey, a hundred percent brother. It sounds like you've definitely, you've, you've, we all figure out a way to, to make our way up the, up the mountain, you know, and yeah. some of those, there's more roadblocks and stumbling than, than others. But it sounds like you, that one injury really helped you facilitate a mindset that takes your body into consideration and, and puts a focus on recovery and some mm-hmm. of these different tools. We know you just got out of the, the cryo tub. What are some of the, the tools and tactics that you use to help your body heal outside of?
1: Man, I do a lot. Um, so I do a lot of foam rolling, um, you know, definitely a lot of stretching, mobility. Um, I, I, uh, last year, I was fortunate enough to come across a new teacher um, in my life. Uh, his name is Cameron Shane. He is a free-form movement specialist. He's basically the innovator and creator of free-form movement. Um, he's also a martial artist. He, uh, he ended up watching one of my fights online and just inviting me to come train with him. Um, and I took him up on that offer. Um, and, you know, I've been spending time with him. i uh, worked with him a, a few times now out in Miami. He was a part of my last fight camp. And, um, you know, I, I love that, you know, just moving. You know, and becoming a better mover, which is break, basically break that martial down. Arts is
0: that is that more like um, animal flow or parkour or what kind of style of movement? Yeah, patterns? you know, it, it's hard to explain what it is.
1: It's hard to give it just one term. Yeah, definitely animal style. You know, animal flow. Um, it, it's kind of a little bit of mix of of yoga, mobility. Um, you know, they they there's a lot of like uh, sort of calisthenics in it involved mm-hmm. too, gymnastic type stuff um basically the way he says it is you know every movement has sort of an energy and you carry that into the next movement and you just flow you know you just sort of follow your body whatever it's telling you to do it's telling you to go here you go there you might be on your butt you might be on your back you might be on your knees crawling you might come up to your feet for a second and you just you know you might roll like you just kind of keep moving and then you know you you uh, dial those movements in to where you have control of every ounce of your or every inch of your body and you know you're you're just breathing and you're just going with it you know it, it's really meditative it, it's a lot like yoga um but more movement you know yeah. the, you don't you don't stop you don't get stuck and there's no real pattern you know you can kind of explore beyond any set pattern um but uh I've really enjoyed that doing that um. So shout shout out to Cameron uh, out there in Miami at Buticon University. Um, but uh, you know I do a lot of stuff. Man, Epsom salt baths, uh, cold shower. You know, uh, like uh, uh, the Wim Hof type stuff. Oh yeah. Um, cryotherapy. You know the, the the gym where I train at now. Um, my strength and conditioning coach Luke Tyree. He just moves into a new place where he's partnered up with like a therapy center. They have hot hot cold tubs there ready to go um you know, infrared sauna. Uh, you know, I have infrared sauna at my house. Um, so I'm big on that too. Uh just walking, you know, like take the dogs for a walk or just, you know, just do a walk for the sake of walking. I love that for sort of mental, you know, visualize, you know, and just get in the vibe, um, listen to some good music or whatever. Um you know i have a theragun i have i have a massage chair i have the NormaTech. Yeah. i have the norma tech pants Dude, the
0: norma techs are sick yeah. aren't they Dude. i got into those at a crossfit conference and i was blown away I was nothing like, better I at wish- the
1: end of a training day chilling Dude.
0: out on your bed with those pants on you know i talked with uh the head one of the head strength coaches of the golden state warriors while they were fucking winning they're still winning it all but he was i was like tell me give me the fucking dirt what are these guys using that nobody else is using? And he's like, honestly, Normatec, because it just flushes everything. Mm-hmm. And they do such volume, you know, and they constantly get ticky-tack knee dings and ankles mm-hmm. and shit like that. But to move all that through, and then I was like, God, how beneficial would that be for MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, where you got guys, you know, slicing through with their shins across your you your, your teardrop quad yeah, or you're man. getting kicked in the leg over and over again. And it's right where your quad connects to you're the doing sprints. Yeah. Yeah. You're, it's just, it's just volume. Right. Yeah. And that for weight training included, weight training excluded, just the martial arts training alone is going right. to have enough dings there. But you know, basically you, you pump all this stuff back through into the bloodstream and you allow your liver and your kidneys to process it and your mm-hmm. body to move through that metabolic waste much faster. It's an incredible tool. Yeah.
1: Man, when I'm in fight camp, I I I'm using those every night, you know. So I I've, I've invested a lot, you know. I have more than most, but over time I've just accumulated it. Mm-hmm. And uh and I see it as an investment, you know. It's like hey, if that gives me, you know, uh one more hard training session, another one more year of competition, you know, it's all worth it to me. So um yeah, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of toys. My house is basically like a therapy center um and just i have the mindset for it now as well um and i I basically move every day you know the other thing too is you know a lot of times like you get done with that hard friday or saturday you know morning session afternoon session and then you don't move again until monday you Mm -hmm. know what i mean or something and you just lay around that's not recovery you know um so like I, I, I immediately go for a walk or I see my, my body worker, you know, right away. Um, I, I get in the Epsom salt bath, I do hot, cold, um, you know, I get in the pants, like I, I, I do something for recovery right away. Um, and then the next day I'm doing yoga, like Sundays, like a yoga day or a walk day, you know, a lot of stretching, something like that. Um, I don't just lay around anymore, you know, just kind of keep moving, you know?
0: Yeah, active recovery is absolutely yeah. crucial. That's sure. awesome what what have you do you what do you do in your spare time for hobbies? do you read Are there any like interesting books that you've read or documentaries you watch anything like um that?
1: yeah you know i i i I try to save time for that sort of stuff many times it's hard you know i have my my business, my school in Oklahoma City, which is you know twenty four seven um you know I have my affiliates a lot of traveling seminars I try to visit all my affiliate schools, plus i have my my competition so um it can be hard um but uh you know i definitely love documentaries and or good good shows you know from time to time when i can get into it um uh you know i mean for me it's like so much of the day is training and then when it's over the rest of that time is dedicated to feeling better you know yeah so but what's cool is it's like i don't need a hobby Uh, you know like my life is so awesome (laughs) like i mean getting to travel is so much fun i love traveling is definitely my funnest thing you know okay. or the thing that i enjoy the most like just exploring new places making new friends you know getting to share my passion with other people you know like i i never met you before until this trip you know and so uh like that's the coolest thing for me like i got to teach today you know here at the um the 10th planet inside inside the onnit academy and uh you know get a good good vibe and energy from everybody Um, you know roll with you yesterday you know just making friends the 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 interactions the real life exchanges um with people all over the world that is definitely what i love the most and that's blended right into my work you know like you know you see those those quotes on instagram it's like find find something that you know you love uh allows you to you know make money and also make you happy and travel or something like that i mean my life is all those things mixed into one you know i get to travel i get to be active i get to you know make friends and meet people all over the world you know i get to learn and teach and i get to challenge myself you know uh and arguably the you know most extreme way possible you know the greatest the greatest test of them all yes exactly so you know my life is amazing i don't i don't even i don't have time and i don't need anything else to plug in there
0: yeah, that's awesome. Do you teach quite a bit at your at your school back in Oklahoma City? Or is it mostly like other guys do, you do guest coaching because you're traveling so often? Um no, I I have some set classes that I teach. That, you know, my students are they're well
1: aware of my schedule and I, you know, I travel a lot and I'm also fighting, you know, when I'm in camp and I'm getting ready for stuff, but uh but teaching is is how I balance things out as well, you know? When I'm in a fight camp and you know, like I've uh, just been grinding all day and had a hard sparring or something like that, I like to put my gi on and get on the mats and teach, you know. Jiu-jitsu keeps me balanced. Um, And, uh, you know, it's just like it, no matter what mood you're in, you know, how stressed or how, like, overwhelmed or whatever you can be, you know, whatever's going on in your life. For me, when I put my gi on, I'm on the mat, and I look around, I see my guys, I see my students, my brothers, the guys I love so much, you know, I have my father started our academy 25 years ago, you know? Um, I've grown up in that place, and I have many black belts that have been with me, you know, 10 to 15 years, you know? And uh, that's my family, those are my brothers, you know? And so, when I'm on the mat with them, I can't help but to smile, you know? I I can't help but to be happy and and watch them, you know? uh, You know, I see the generations, you know? I see my old students with my, with my new blue belts, the younger guys coming up, and I just see the, you know, this thing that was created in Oklahoma out of nowhere from my father's dream, passed down to me and through them, it, you know, there's really no other place I'd rather be, so um, I love to teach, you know. I, I, on average, I'm teaching three to four times a week. Um, I have uh, my comp training class I do every Saturday morning where we grind really hard, and I, you know, really focus on my my competitors, my normal classes throughout the week, and uh, you know, have so many amazing students. So, if I'm home, I'm teaching. If I'm home, I'm teaching. Um, if I'm traveling, obviously, I'm not there. I'm not able to teach. But even when I'm traveling, I'm usually teaching. So, um, I love to teach. You know, teaching is is definitely part of my martial arts passion, um, and you know, I think that's sort of part of your role as a martial artist. You know, as you learn, you should be passing that on you know um you know sharing your your story your experiences your knowledge you know uh, everybody has their perspective everybody has their way that they do it um how they learn to survive you know and be offensive in their own way and um and so you know that's that's one thing i'm so thankful for is i do have many black belts um and so when i do travel my students get to learn you know um there's no so, shortage of great
0: teachers. Yeah, there. and it's yeah. the
1: same, you know, the same foundation, but a totally different style, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's really great. But uh, I love to teach. I'm I'm always teaching.
0: Oh, yeah, that's awesome, brother. Yeah, you touched on something that I that really strikes home for me. I could always tell. I'm not going to name names, but I could always tell because at AKA we had a lot of guys come through there to train. And uh, Joe Silva when he was running the UFC would send a lot of guys to aka and it was there was great times i got to train with lyoto machida and a ton of other amazing fighters that'll you know be some of the greatest of all time for sure there was always this sense like we could tell you know in the locker room who was withholding of information mm. some guys would show up and they would fucking try to ask us for everything and they wouldn't teach us a damn thing you know I'd be like <laughs> hey how do you do that one move you're so good at and they're like well i kind of do it like this and they don't really show you and then other guys would show up and they'd be like Yeah, man, here's what you can do. I'll show you. Oh, this is how I do it. But you got longer arms. So maybe it works better this way. And then you're like, fuck, dude, thank you. And then that that idea of reciprocity is instilled. And it's like, I want to show you everything I can. Let Mm -hmm. me fucking give to you now. Thanks for giving me that new tool in the toolbox. You know, and it's and it's received. And that's kind of. It's not kind of that is how it is in life. You know, when you meet people that that want to take and don't want to give you, it's it kind of pushes you away. And then when you have somebody that's just fucking giving and let me share with you, you know, this helped me out in this way, not even in jiu-jitsu, in anything. You know, that's a person I'm attracted to. That's Mm -hmm. who we're all attracted to.
1: Yeah, 100%, you know, I've read different things before, basically says something like, you know, the quickest way to success is to help others, you know. Um, And that's what what I feel is a part of being what I like to call a true martial artist. You know, you give back, you, you are also a teacher. And in reality, if you hold things back, you hold things in, you're not only are you not helping anybody which is gonna you know uh, hold you back, but you're also holding back your creativity in the way that you know what you do. you know it's one thing to be able to to do a move but can you break it down so in depth and detail that someone that has no experience whatsoever could understand it, and perform it just like you, you know. Um, That's what really makes you better, you know, teaching. Like, you know, you might think you know something, but go over there and teach that person that's on their first day, you know. Teach them, you know, what you know or, or some sort of technique or something like that. And all of a sudden you're like, uh, how do I even communicate this, you know? And so for me, I definitely feel like a big reason why i've been able to keep evolving in my jujitsu specifically um and and you know stay relevant you know at the top of the of the you know world-class guys you know staying inside that group for so long is because i've been teaching this whole time you know i'm i'm always studying the game what's going on how it's evolving you know all the innovations and and then i'm trying to you know keep my what i do uh you know relevant and able to you know like i don't want my style to get passed up you know like of course you have your 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 sort of game you know but if your your game stays the same yeah yeah, if it stays the same it's not going to work you know so you have to keep it evolving right and and then teaching you know and passing that on because my guys are competing all the time too and i don't want them to use my 10 year old game and then it's not working you know And so always trying to evolve, um, you know, as a teacher will also help you as a, you know, as a competitor. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, being able to break down what you do and communicate it, you know, and just trying to make the most advanced things seem simple, simple to understand what are your concepts? What are your whys? You know, you could say, "I I do this. Well, why? Why do you do it like that? You know, oh, because it feels better. I have it's just better. It, I'm stronger there. You it's know, it's just better. It's just better. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but when you have to say the why, you know, and you have to tell them, ah, oh, because I get more leverage. I can move in an inch here. I can move in an inch here. I can understand his reaction. You know, I, blah 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 blah. I can neutralize. You know, then you're really diving deep, and um, and you can take what you do and go even further. And then you can say, oh that's how it works let me connect this here and put this there and you know and, and, and yeah you 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 know more about who you are and why you do what you do um versus just ah that's how I've always done it you know
0: yeah 100 percent. so you're 7-0 now you've been fighting in Bellator for a few years correct no
1: actually last year was my first, last year. Year, was uh, three. first year okay three yeah. fights in Bellator
0: last yes. year all last year it's, you're new to Bellator, and Bellator's on the rise. It's coming up as you know, arguably the fucking, the number two position in the UFC, and there's a lot of uh, guys- number two that, without a doubt. Tr- they're coming in to the UFC and doing quite well. You know, they're, they're, is it, there's an exceptional level there. Where do you see yourself in the middleweight division, and what are you seeing on the schedule?
1: Well, after last year, I definitely feel like I'm one of the top contenders um, in the middleweight division. Um, you know, I, it was kind of a step-by-step process. Um, you know, I was the legacy champion, uh, when it was still legacy before it turned into LFA. Um, and Bellator was the next kind of set step that made the most sense because I only had four fights. Um, and so I came in, you know, like unranked, so to speak, you know, um, and, uh, every fight was tougher. Um, my last fight was against Chris Honeycutt. Um, you know, who was like, he, at that time, I believe he was like six and one in Bellator. Um, he was on a four-fight winning streak and uh, was one of the best in the middleweight division. Um, and uh, I was able to defeat him. as the first time I went, went the distance in my career. Um, all my six fights before that were all finishes. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, getting that, that victory over him, I feel like, you know, solid my, solidified myself as the top four or five in the division. Um, there's a couple other guys that have some, you know, that are on good runs. Um, they have Musasi in the division now too, um, you know, who just won – he just won his first fight at the end of last year as well inside Bellator. So it kind of depends on how they, you know, see everything, especially with Musashi. He's only had one fight, but he's Musasi. So are they going to yeah. give him the title shot? Um, there's also John Salter who's was, who was on a good run. I think he's like five – or on a five- or six-fight win streak inside Bellator uh, with pretty much all finishes as well. Um, so, you know, there's a few guys up there, but I feel like I'm one of them as well. Um, but uh, you know, I I I I'm not like going to say, "Oh, I deserve that title shot now." I'm down to do one or two more. I'm going to just be that much better. Uh, but I would like to to fight for that belt sometime at the end of this year or early next year. Um and uh, you know, go for it, go for it all the way. Um but uh, I'm definitely very happy with Bellator. Uh, they're they're, you know, a great show. So, professional everyone treats you so well everyone's happy you know um and uh, there's a lot of jujitsu jitsu guys within the organization as well so it's nice to feel like that love from the jiu-jitsu you know it's like oh you're you know brand new in mma you know they, they respect me for who i was or who i am from from jiu yeah, you're coming from something
0: you're not nobody That's right for damn right sure. yeah and
1: uh and they've been great to work with so you know um i'm just I'm ready for this year man i'm excited to get back in there hopefully springtime looks like maybe april i'll be uh be back in the cage and uh yeah like i said one or two more and i'm ready for that belt
0: Fuck yeah man i'm excited i'm really rooting for you it's you've been fun to watch too i remember the first time i watched you fight in bellator and i was like is that shanji <laughs> i saw him in the corner and you know it's funny because like uh having not competed a ton in jiu-jitsu because i was always fighting and it wasn't my passion. My passion was Muay Thai and striking and things like that. But I got into it. You know, I, had, I learned from getting suffocated underneath Stefan Bonner. Like I need to get better at this. And then during that process, fell in love with Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Everyone yeah. does. It's fucking. It's amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. It is. And I remember going to the Master Worlds with my old man. Oh, nice. And uh, my dad got his black belt before me. Oh, dude, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, man. Got that's something we get to have in from, common. Hell yeah, man! He got his black belt from. Um, Dave Camarillo oh, stayed nice. with Gorilla. Uh, uh-huh. We made the change at AKA to bring in Checkmate. So I got my black belt from Leandro, but you know he had competed so much, and <clears throat> we were at the Master Worlds, and he goes, "You know, I know you're going to be watching for me, but anytime you hear the crowd cheer, and the whole crowd cheers, it's two people. It's either Solo or Shandi. And I was yeah. like, "Really?" And he goes, "Swear to God, there's not a guy in here that will not cheer when they're on the mat. A fucking foot sweep." one point scored and advantage the crowd's going to roar and i was like damn like that and really you know got got i i'd read solo's book you know back in the day it was one of the first jiu-jitsu books my dad bought an incredible book oh, man. you know you like Did you see the detail mm-hmm. and you're like fuck it's like the bible <laughs> it's it is and there's just so much knowledge it's always changing but that then in of itself was like wow man these guys are truly legends in a sport where everyone has their own camp, everyone has their own team, their own tribe, and it doesn't matter who you are, you fucking love these guys. Yeah, and that was really bad. I was like, God damn, that's your fucking corner. Like, yeah. it, it pumped me up seeing that.
1: Yeah, man, I'm I'm so blessed and thankful to have them, you know, as brothers and uh, and as my teachers and training partners. I've learned so much from them, and they are truly incredible. Uh, you know, when it comes to jiu-jitsu, like. It, their jiu is timeless it's timeless you know uh definitely it has that the old school roots you know uh, most people would refer to it as old school you know as far as its simplicity um but um uh, but its effectiveness is timeless you know shanji uh he won his first world title as a black belt in 2004 his last world title he won in 2015 an 11 year span you know um, from being you know early 20s you know to like 34 35 years old still at the top you know uh, and, and and it's not like he's using a whole new set of techniques and moves it's the same jiu you know um, it's it's so incredibly technical and and efficient you know that they don't waste energy basically here's how i describe it hibito jiu is this we might make a mistake and fall a little behind but there's no there's no checkmate you're not going to check you're not going to checkmate Shanji. you know uh his his protection his defense is so good um his frames he's he's world famous for his frames and back defense back escapes um he always he's always in the fight right he's always in the fight he's never you never, he, you never have seen him get dominated. His guard, pa- his guard has only been passed once in his whole life in competition. But now, however, on the other side of things, if you make a mistake and he gets ahead on you, you're never coming back. It's the beginning of the end. It's too you tight. Yeah, yeah, there, there's no way back. Um, and um, you know, I'm just so thankful to, you know, have been able to have access to that sort of jujitsu and learn that. Um, I feel like you know it, whether it's gi no gi you know this time this format points no points submission da and mma you know the it, it translates to everything you know um that is like um uh, the the real beauty of it you know it, it it's so simple that you can use it in all all formats you know um but, uh, yeah, those guys, I mean, Solo is a is a genius when it comes to Jiu Jitsu. He, uh, you know, man, I could go on and on and on and on, but for sure.
0: <laughs> I fucking love it. Yeah. Man. I'm yeah. Out. And and got the, some and the Masters
1: though. is like the Hibeto Jiu Jitsu tournament, pretty yeah. much. I mean, they, they've uh, always put on a show. I mean, Solo won with a broken arm a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, it was an incredible. And uh, I've been able to double gold there the last two years in a row. That's my favorite tournament to do nowadays. Um just because it's like, it's almost like a reunion, you know. All these old school guys have been competing against each other for like, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years. They're all back together, you know, they're all doing it for the pure love of it. You know what I mean? Everyone's happy, win or lose, they're all hugging and like, you know, just there's no like animosity or, you know, uh, like, you know, like everyone's just together, you know, it's not team versus team. You know, it's like this is for the love of jujitsu and uh you know yeah it's a world title but it's not like you know it's a big tournament but they're not doing it for a title
0: you know it's not status yes it's about competition it's about being there with guys it's so much fun yeah my dad used to describe it to me that way he's like trust me man you'll get older you'll you'll, and you'll start going against guys and you'll only see him at that tournament he sees guys from florida and new york that he never sees until he's in vegas at the Mm -hmm. master worlds and it's like fuck man it's so good to see you yeah. and then oh shit we got each other next you yeah, know yeah. and there's no it's no there's no weirdness it's like and I've, I've seen him give like awkwardly long hugs at the beginning of a match <laughs> dude because he fucking really cares about the guy he's about to go against that's know? so
1: funny you brought up the hugs i i did like a little parody video of like <laughs> the adult worlds versus the master worlds and when i did the master worlds portion i like with the guy that, one of my black belts that was in the video with me, his name's Shiloh. We over exaggerated the hugs. Like we hugged each other like five or six times. You know what I mean? You pick the guy up, you hug him, you know what I mean? They raise the hand, then you hug him again, then you raise his hand, you know what I mean? You look at the audience, like everyone is just so happy, you know, um, but uh, yeah, that tournament is amazing. You gotta do it sometime, man.
0: Put yeah, the e man. On. let's Yeah, man, I went in, I went in. We just moved from Vegas. I was, I was not bummed to get the job here at it, but definitely want to make my way back out there. My wife's from there. So we got a lot of family there. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking cool spot. My buddy Tom Lawler's out there.
1: Yeah, um, I went against Tom one time at did ADCC. You? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: That's cool, man. Yeah, and um, uh, Noad Lahat, who fights uh, in Bellator, Israeli army guy, uh, got his black belt from Ricardo Vieira. Okay. Really, really good guy, long time teammate. Well, fuck man, it's been it's been awesome having you here. How often do you come through town to Austin? Because you said you have a satellite school up in Dallas, right? In
1: Dallas and here in Austin as oh, okay. well. Um, so I, I try to get down here about once a year, um, but uh, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I try to take that up to to two times a year. You know, it, like uh, the this place on it is uh, is so cool. Austin is a great city. You know, I got to work out with Eric uh, Primal Soldier yeah, um, while I was Swoldier's down here, a beast. and uh, got some great sessions from him. Learned a lot. Meet you, you know, taught here. At the 10th Planet, I, have a semin- I had a seminar last night at my affiliate, Austin Submission Fighting. I have another seminar tomorrow. Um, so, you know, I just, I feel the love down here. So, you know, it's like a six hour drive. It's not that bad. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if I came back down one more time this year, for sure.
0: Hell yeah, brother. It's yeah. been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you online? Where can people follow you?
1: Uh, well, I'm pretty easy to find on social media. Uh, my Instagram is Junior lovatojrbjj, um, it's L-O-V-A-T-O uh jr bjj facebook.com slash lovato junior bjj twitter same thing um so they can find my social media my my personal website is lovato junior.com my academy website for my school in oklahoma city is okbjj.com anyone out there comes through oklahoma they're more than welcome to stop by my school uh people interested in seminars can hit me up through my social media and, uh, yeah, thanks, on it for having me on the podcast, for supporting me, and uh, all the love that I get from you guys. Definitely really appreciate it.
0: Fucking pleasure, brother. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Onnit podcast with my man, Rafael Lovato Jr. Please leave us a five-star rating. It helps other people check out the podcast. Look to the show notes for more information on where you can find Rafael Lovato Jr. and follow him throughout his fight career. Thanks for tuning in, guys. All right, guys, you've got questions, I've got answers. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time, I'm going to be on On Its main page on Facebook, doing a Facebook Live Q&A. The Facebook Live Q&A runs for 30 minutes. If you can't make it at 6 p.m. Central Time, all you have to do is write in your questions, and I'll be sure to get those answered for you, either by writing it or talking about it on the Facebook Live, which you can check out at any point in time after the show airs. But be sure to tune in live if you can. We're going to get a lot of information rounded out, talking about the podcast, talking about different health topics, and I think you'll enjoy it.